Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Okay, we're live, everybody. Hello there. Welcome to a brand new edition of On to the Next One. We appreciate all of you just absolute savages who are here on very little sleep to keep the buzz and the momentum going following a very fun, very storyline-heavy UFC 284 event. And if you're new to this program, we are here on the day after UFC 284 to discuss the what's next from a matchmaking perspective from... Some of the notable names from this card, which includes the two men who put on an incredible fight in the main event for the lightweight title, the champion versus champion matchup that was won by Islam Makachev against Alexander Volkanovsky. We have a new interim featherweight champion. We have emerging names and contenders. A lot to get to. And a lot of this seems pretty easy. Some, I think we're going to have more of a conversation about it. But I am Mike Heck, and joining me is always the co-host, the co-matchmaker, the Prince of Positivity. And he's the best friend, folks. Mr. Alexander Kaylee. AK, what's up, buddy? My best friend. Thank you for the introduction. My best friend and the birthday boy, Mike Heck, for anyone who uh, who wasn't watching the watch party and why weren't you on Saturday. As soon as that clock struck 12, our own Michael Heck. Michael Heck Jr. turned uh, the ripe old age of 24, 25. It's hard to tell with you. You're just <laughs> such a youthful baby face. Uh, it's incredible. You look, you just look fantastic. So happy birthday to uh, my best friend, Mike Heck. And uh, Mike, you're right. Th- listen, this is an easy one. I don't know even know if we need to take that much time. I think uh, our part, the picks, will take like 45 seconds, and we just move on to the uh, live YouTube comments. That's why we're doing a live show today. The card was so easy. Not, I don't even need to explain some of these picks, uh, who we have for on to the next one for some of these fighters. So... Uh, I don't know. I'm excited, but that was a great card, wasn't it? I agree. It was a, it was a great card. I think it it was much better than a lot of people gave it credit for. The main event delivered, and I think that was the biggest part of this. If the main event hadn't delivered, or if the main event was went the way that a lot of people thought it might, we might not have the same feelings that we have the day after. So that's something to take into account. I really, it, it, we'll talk about that for sure. Um, but before we get into the actual matchmaking, a couple things right off the bat. This is the post-pay-per-view edition of the program, so the usual format changes a little bit since it is live. So the normal submit picks on DMs and email thing, we're probably not going to get to a ton of those. But when we talk about a, a fight or a potential matchup specifically, throw your thoughts about that specific matchup in the chat. We'll go ahead and pull them up on the screen. And at the end of the show, we'll do a, a rapid-fire 10 minutes or so, go to the peeps, wild card, sort of 
lightning round where you guys and gals, you can chuck out a bunch of different matchups that we'll pull up, we'll discuss, we'll debate, and that's that. But before we get into the actual matchmaking, which I do agree with you, it's very, very simple here. Uh, I do want to talk about the main event. I do want to talk about the big story from last night because, like I said, the main event was a lot of fun. And to me, sure, and and I think a lot of people are, are, are looking at it through this lens. And would it have been an iconic and just incredible moment if Alexander Volkanovsky had pulled it off last night? Of course. But not a lot of people expected that to happen. Or if we're being honest, and if you listen to the People's Free Fight show, not a lot of people, Jed Mishu and others in the media space especially, they didn't think this fight would be even near as competitive that it actually was last night. But it's a fight that, in my opinion, is going to age gracefully it's going to age incredibly well and if we go back and watch this fight in a vacuum two three days from now and just watch it for what it is i think we're going to enjoy this one more and more with each viewing and i actually think this all worked out in the best possible way ak and i'm curious to get your take on this because makachev's next fight will be incredibly intriguing plus he got to show some things that we really haven't seen before since he has been so dominant and Volkanovsky's stock rose tremendously, even in defeat. And I'm seeing in the comments now, a lot of people still feel like Volkanovsky won that fight. And either way, he came off like a massive star last night. And his next fight is much more interesting now than it was heading into UFC 284. So I think all things considered, if you're looking at this from a UFC perspective, and even as, as a fan's perspective, I don't know if you could get much more out of this main event because I think it worked out pretty much for every single person involved here outside of maybe Volkanovsky who thought he won the fight. So what did you think of the main event, the performances from both guys and, and sort of the aftermath of this all? Uh, I said, you know, I gave this event a degree of difficulty of 9.4. And I said pretty much almost all of it hinged on the main event. I said that if the undercard was exciting, which it was, uh, it still wouldn't be able to reach that number if the main event somehow failed to deliver, but the main event delivered arguably over delivered in terms of drama in terms of, as we can see from some of the, some of the public replies, some of the comments from other fighters, controversy, uh, but I think good-natured controversy, which I like. So this, this Mike, this hit this hit that 9.4. This was a 9.4 at a 9.4 event. I think it just it completely nailed what it was going for. I It was a super enjoyable event. 283, I think, might have fallen short on most people's uh, pre-event expectations. This was the opposite, of course. Most people, at least outside of the top two fights, weren't like, incredibly thrilled with the lineup and that was more than fair i was one of them i, I think you were as well i think most of us in MMA fighting where we were like you know it looked for some entertaining moments on the undercard plus the top two fights have to deliver and again both fights did we'll talk about more about year year and emmett um which was incredibly entertaining in its own way and then uh you know some of the other awesome results and highlights that we had uh, and storylines that we had on uh, ufc 284 but regarding the main i'm i have just have nothing but nice things to say about it and i hope and I, and I believe, I believe, I shouldn't say I just hope, I believe for the most part people feel the same way. Even if you thought Volkanovsky won, uh, it was super entertaining to watch. So if you felt Volkanovsky won, you're feeling, you may hate the judge's decision, but you're feeling somewhat vindicated because there's a large public swell that says this guy was a smaller fighter. He performed as well as or better than anyone could have expected. And depending who you ask, they think they believe he did enough to win the fight. I scored it 49-46 for Makachev. I, I was with the 49-46 the, the judge. I scored it the same way. First four rounds for Makachev. 
But round two easily could have been a Volkanovski round, no question. Round three was the round that most people felt uh, Volkanovski, uh, aside from round five. Actually, round five is the one they felt he definitely won. All three judges agreed. I think everyone agreed Volkanovski won the fifth round. Three was another one where Volkanovski did great, but so did Makachev. I think people uh, overlook uh, Makachev's output in that round as well. But if you wanted to give Volkanovski rounds two, three, and five, I don't think that's crazy. I don't think that's crazy. Even though I'm a 49-46 Makachev, two of those rounds, uh, two and three, I think we're super, super close. Again, I lean towards Makachev, but I don't know. Like, But three, obviously, a lot of people thought uh, Volkanovski won. I'll have to rewatch that one. Two, could have gone either way. So I I feel very strongly that Makachev won. But either way, if Volkanovski had had his hand raised, I would have been thrilled. I, it was just such a great fight both ways. I wouldn't have felt it was a robbery either way. And I really don't think people should think it's a robbery the way it actually did turn out. I think that's a bit crazy. And the one thing, I'll, I'll nip this in the bud now. I already saw someone on YouTube mention it. And of course, a lot of people on, on social media are calling it this way. Like Islam was exposed. He was exposed. Yeah, he was exposed by the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. Like that, you you have a competitive fight with the guy who is the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. And that means you were exposed. Okay, he's the bigger guy. You can be disappointed that the bigger guy didn't dominate. You can believe that the that um, the featherweight champion won. That's fine. Makachev wasn't exposed. He fought an incredibly good fight. He showed off really good striking. The wrestling was on display, a level change that had Shaheen Al-Shadi openly weeping. Uh, I, I don't. I, I think he composed himself for the post-fight show, but he was on Slack and said, I, he said, he said, there are two, in the last 18 months, of like the two most important moments of my life have been my child being born and that level change by Makachev. And he said, and he said, it's close. It's close. This is all on Slack. I can't show you guys, but I assure you, I wouldn't lie to you. He said it's neck and neck. The becoming a father, seeing Islam take down uh, Volkanovski with that beautiful level change. And I and listen, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. It was breathtaking. Um, so yeah, I don't think Islam was exposed, even if you thought Volkanovski won. And I certainly, and I certainly am with people though who say Volkanovski still asserted himself maybe as the best pound for pound fighter in the world, uh, even in defeat. But we're going to be talking about that for for a while, I think. And that's why this is so good for Volkanovsky because I am willing, and as you are, to listen to all of these conversations. I'm willing to listen to the Volkanovsky, still the number one pound for pound guy. I wanted to do that. And for a moment, because tearing down the fourth wall, we had to turn in our pound for pound ratings like before we went to sleep last night. And for about five minutes, I had Volkanovsky still in that spot. And then I just couldn't live with myself. So I changed it. And I was like, all right, I have to do this. And I, I honestly, I don't feel great about putting Makachev there either. But I guess if John Jones goes out and beats Cyril Gaon, then none of this really matters anyways, because John's probably going to just slot right back into the number one spot anyways, because that's where he was before he left. But we'll see what happens. And then in, if you score for Volk, and I can't wait to rewatch it. Like, I was going to rewatch it again today, but I was like, I want to give it a little bit of space and then rewatch it with sort of a fresher mind and, and give it the attention that it deserves because the fight was great. I thought one was a competitive round, thought Makachev won. I thought two was really close, thought Makachev won it. But if you scored it for Volk, I'm willing to listen to you. Three was a Volk round to me, but again, it was close. Four, I thought Makachev won. And I see it all over the place. Well, you just had him on the ground. He didn't do anything. He just had his back. Yeah, he has back for like four and a half minutes. Volk landed some strikes, but didn't do a lot himself. So I, I just don't, I can't, I just can't give it to Volk. Maybe I'll watch it again and feel differently, but I just couldn't. And then five was the clearest round of the entire fight, which is Volkanovsky winning the fifth round, the momentum in his favor. So there was a part of me that was expecting 
a splitty for Volk getting a 48-47. But I scored it in the end, 48-47 for Islam Makachev. Great fight. Both guys' stocks rose. It was tremendous. And like I said, four or five days from now, four or five months from now, four or five years from now, we're going to look back on that fight and it's just going to age better and better and better. And we're going to remember it for just the fight and the action and not the divisiveness of who won and who didn't just the overall competitive nature of the fight. So just tremendous stuff from both guys. I don't want to hear robbery. I don't want to hear exposed. If that, if that's the narrative that you're taking out of this, I'm sorry, man, people, you got to be more critical. You got to be more critical. You got to be more, uh, uh, generous. Uh, maybe I may say the word generous with your, how you appraise fighters, because if you thought Makachev looked bad on Saturday, I think you're crazy. I think Volkanovsky looked fantastic. You could say he fought the better fight. Like he just looked better again, based on expectations, based on being the smaller guy as well, add all that up, how he defended against the wrestling, you know, for the most part, you know, uh, at least avoiding damage when it was on the ground. Fantastic. Incredible stuff. Volkanovsky rules. He's great. But you know who else rules? It's on Makachev. He's a very good fighter. Uh, he didn't dominate. He didn't dominate. And I think that hurts too. I think the expectation for him is to is to smash. He's got to smash, you know. Um, and if he doesn't dominate, oh, then he lost. He was exposed. And I think that's silly. I think he adapted. We give Volkanovsky credit all the time for adapting. Why does Makachev not get credit for adapting and, and doing really well in a stand-up battle? The round, uh, round three, by the way, and stats do not define a fight, but this round three that everyone is saying is a wash for, uh, or a blowout for Volkanovski, uh, uh, Makachev had more significant strikes. He won 16 to 14. Do the stats tell the story? I don't know. But I'm saying if you had the eye test like me and you thought Makachev actually did pretty well in that round, then the stats you know, help you a little bit with that argument. But even then, even ignoring the stats, I had Makachev and one of the judges did too. And, and I'm sure other people who scored it 49, 46 or gave, you know, gave three rounds to... Uh, Makachev had it that way. So again, there, people, there doesn't have to be these narratives of robbery and exposed. Expand your vocabulary. Expand how you look. Expand how you look. Like I don't. Why? Why is there? Why does? Why does one fighter have to win and be the best, and one fighter has to lose and they were exposed? I, I, I get, I'm so tired of it. And I'll bring it up. I brought it up before. I'll bring it up every time this comes up. It might happen with John Jones and Cyril Gan. It might go to a competitive decision, and then it's like John Jones loses. Oh, John Jones was exposed. He was never good. Or Cyril Gan loses and like oh. Cito gone. He, he can't win the big one. He was never good. If that comes up, I'm just like, I'm like disgusted. I'm like, what are, what are we doing? So I'm getting, you know, I'm getting mad about something that hasn't even happened yet. I'm supposed to focus on the positivity. And I, I just want to say both guys just fought like incredibly well, incredibly well on Saturday. And, and I think the right man won, but you couldn't have gone wrong either way. It was, it was just, it's what a battle of champions should look like. Yeah. John, John Jones has been exposed 14 times in his career <laughs> at this point. So, um, but again, in the aftermath and we'll transition into the matchmaking right now. This is a great result overall for both guys because the next fights for both of them are going to be super interesting. And we know it's going to be next for Volkanovski, and we'll get there in a moment and talk about what Yair Rodriguez did. But what do we do with this on Makachev, AK? Because there are some interesting bouts in play for him stylistically. There's fights that are very sort of UFC-ish where there's names who might not necessarily, from a meritocratic perspective, may not deserve a title shot, but they draw more eyeballs and money who are coming off of wins that are fresh matchups. There's possible big fights in the division being worked on that can factor into this, or perhaps maybe they won't, and maybe an audible is called. So I ask you on this February 12th, 2023, what is next for the lightweight champion? And in some people's eyes, maybe not in all, the best pound for pound fighter in the world. 
Neil Darius should not have to fight Charles Oliveira. That fight I know is rumored. I know it's, you know, in the works. Cancel that. Neil Darius should get the title shot. He should fight Islam Makachev. He's done more than enough other than campaigning for himself, which is so frustrating, but that's fine. He has other things that he prefers to talk about in his post-fight speeches, so important things too. So I won't, uh, I won't, I won't crap him on him too much for that, but I understand people want to see Darius make more of a case for himself on the microphone. It's part of the game. He should be better at that. But when it comes to fighting, there's not a lot more he can do when it comes to fighting, winning fights. He's done it, man. He's done it all. A fight with Charles is awesome. I think we've mentioned it as a possibility of on to the next one. We probably picked it. We probably picked it after after uh, uh, Darius's last win or or Oliveira's loss, saying like, you know, Darius clearly hasn't made his campaign for the title fight, so make this happen. But I think I think the the uh, talks of a Darius Oliveira match might have been a little bit dependent on Makachev losing. I think if Makachev had lost to um, excuse me had lost to Volkanovski, then yeah, you just roll through with the Darius and and and. Um, Oliveira match and see see what what contender emerges from there. But I don't want to see. I, I know people would pick Darius to beat Oliveira, but even then, if Oliveira beat him, I'm not in a rush to see him fight Islam Makachev again. So so that prospective fight, I'm not going like, well, the winner of that fight. No, I'm saying just don't do that fight. It's a cool fight. You can book that fight anytime further down the road. Darius has earned his moment. I just want to see Makachev get back to defending the lightweight title against lightweights. No immediate rematch necessary. Would love to see these two fight again. Let them take care of business in their respective divisions, both two of the best divisions in all of MMA, and then revisit this a year from now, 18 months from now. We'll see. We'll see how dominant these two guys still are. Um, if Makachev is still at lightweight, I don't know. Maybe it's becoming too difficult a year from now, and he's, he moves up to welterweight. But for now, no immediate rematch, please, and don't make Benny jump through any more hoops. Give him the title fight. Charles Oliveira can there's plenty of other exciting fights for him. Agree. And just to play devil's advocate here, to say that somebody like Dustin Poirier is not in play for this fight would just be wrong. He is, I, he is in play. I guarantee the UFC is thinking about that right now. But Because that's just what the UFC does. A Makachev-Poirier pay-per-view is just going to do... It's got to do better than a Makachev-Darius pay-per-view. It just is. And right or wrong, the UFC thinks about that kind of thing. And especially if... Bad luck hits the UFC with these cards. Like if the UFC needs to get a big fight on the books and one of these upcoming like big pay-per-views is just lacking and both these guys are ready and they need to get a like a decent draw, sell some tickets, sell some pay-per-views, Poirier's in play. I guarantee it. Um, it would be a very good option for them. And there's a story with Poirier losing to Habib. Poirier probably his last chance at a title shot. But I want to be hopeful that this is done right, AK. The answer is Benny Dariush. I do think he's going to end up fighting Charles Oliveira. Um, I do think they're going to go forward with that. Makachev looked pretty beat up at the end of that. He took a lot of leg kicks. I mean, just really nasty leg kicks in that fight. Um, his face was beat up. I think he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be bouncing back in three or four months. So I think they will go ahead with this fight. And I actually think Benny Darius is going to beat Charles Oliveira. So either way, if there is any doubt, just because of this discussion of whether or not you go with the big money fight or you go with the more intriguing draw if Darius goes out there and beats Charles Oliveira it's undeniable you have to give him the title shot so sign me up sign me up anyways it's a there's a part of me who thinks this pick is it's right but it's also cautiously optimistic but Darius is the pick and I really hope it happens because what we learned from this Volkanovsky fight is that a Darius fight is going to be super interesting stylistically, like really, really interesting. 
I have one fear for that. Uh, and uh, Justin Cabral in the comments, thank you for just for uh, for mentioning it. I was just about to say the same thing. Um, if Islam, let's say Islam decides, I'm going to take a lot of time off. I'm really only, I only plan to defend my title one more time this year. It doesn't matter whether it's this summer or it doesn't matter whether it's this, uh, you know, at the end of the year. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for the winner of Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler. I, I'm not saying he should do that. I'm saying let's say he take let's say he's taking two months off, three months off, and then he's watching the Ultimate Fighter and he's like, oh, you know what? I'm kind of feeling like I'm still not ready to come back. I hold the cards. I took a really tough fight with Volkanovski. I went into enemy territory. I'm sure the UFC is very happy with me. If you ask Dana, the the pay per view was trending in a very strong direction. So I've made the company money. I'm 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 a star now. I'm at least, I'm at least somewhat of a star now. I have leverage. So I I and I don't want to see this happen. That's why I want to make the Dariush fight happen now because there's a chance Dariush fights Oliveira, and even if he wins, it's like okay, well I got to wait now a few months for Islam, and then Islam says, well keep on waiting, buddy, because now I'm waiting for the winner of uh, Chandler and McGregor, and that's the fight I'm going to take this year. And then you have Dariush waiting until 2024, or in typical Dariush fashion, having to fight another top ten lightweight on his eternal road to nothing. So uh, I I want Dariush to get it now, but. The timing is really it's it, the time is gonna be really important here i don't know man it just i don't think like islam just doesn't seem all that interested in it like it'd be an easy win and easy money but i i he just doesn't seem like all that interested in it now if chandler, chandler wins chandler, I, think I, it's a, I think it's a different story yeah. Yeah. i think he'd fight chandler and if chandler beats connor then i mean what's the difference i think it's a little more competitive he gets so much buzz and makacha probably wins that fight so i i don't know I don't know. I mean, Connor's always a wild card in all of these situations, but just any time, because you could see it, like anytime there's a press conference or a media scrum or anything with Islam, he's always asked about Connor and he just kind of no sells it. He's just like, eh, he's going to retire after Chandler beats him. Like it doesn't even, it, he would kill, he'd be a minus 1200 favorite against Connor. As he Craig. should be. But but the thing is, here's the, if the U, I'm not saying he's going to campaign for it, but if the UFC offered it to him, he, he'd be good with it. He's like, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to fight Connor. I'll do it. Yeah, and, and this is kind of what it is, too. I think they did the whole thing with Habib. I, it, it didn't go well. I think there were a lot of regrets coming out of that from things that were said, the buildup, uh, things that happened after the Habib fight, obviously, with him jumping over the cage and everything and trying to fight Dylan Dennis, which apparently everybody in the world is trying to do right now. So I guess Habib is kind of a trendsetter in that way, which he has been in a lot of different mm -hmm. ways. So, But we'll see. Um, uh, Ron Swanson is asking, how many Roadhouse trailers do we get during Tough? Uh, not as many cocaine bear mentions as the cocaine oh bear mentions God. we got at 284. <laughs> was that just the best? That was the best. Boy, that was that made for some incredible moments, I will say. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> incredible so broadcasting. Funny. Great moments in broadcasting. Uh, several <laughs> happened on Saturday night, and they were all revolved around cocaine bear. I'll tell you what. If cocaine bear just put all of their marketing in, like all their marketing promotion just on UFC 284, I think it was a grand slam home run because cocaine bear was, was trending like crazy. Anytime that graphic popped up, Twitter just went bananas. What the hell is cocaine bear? And then they were showing like previews for it. And you see the cocaine bear just like walking off of his back and just making weird faces. Like I, I just don't even know what that movie is, but I'm more interested in cocaine bear than I ever thought I would actually be. So there you go. <laughs> Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. 
It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Uh, now for Volkanovski, he's likely going to fight the new interim champion, Yair Rodriguez, who submitted Josh Emmett in the second round. Rodriguez looked spectacular, AK. It was a... I don't think the result was all that surprising. I think all of us sort of picked Yair to go in there and finish, but I just think the way he did it, it was an over-the-hump moment for him in a lot of ways. And this fight, while it had some interesting wrinkles before the card, a possible Volkanovski versus Yair Rodriguez matchup, and I would have heavily favored Volkanovski like 12 hours ago. The Yair that showed up last night, I still favor Volkanovski to beat him or any featherweight in the world for that matter right now. But that fight, Volkanovski versus Yair, it's got a little bit more juice to it, does it not? Yeah, I mean, it, that you make that matchup happen, you know, instead of the Islam fight, let's, it, that heat, I mean, Volkanovski is a minus 400, 400 minus, like, it's crazy, four to one favorite against a guy who, again, now is the interim champ. But now with this, the way Yair looked on Saturday with Volkanovski losing, losing a close fight, uh, I think the odds, I think the odds would definitely be closer. I think they will be minus 250 or at least that's how they'll start they'll probably move further in volkanovsky's direction again everyone who watched that fight knows how good volkanovsky looks but you know they might be at first they might be able to snag that casual casual better who only saw the results and and didn't know uh didn't know the actual how the fight actually played out so my, i think it'll open like minus 250 something like that but maybe move closer to that uh the crazy line i mentioned at first but yeah and i'm super compelled for the fight mike we should i know you're in a public place so you can't but we should be seeing friends forever back to back because i mean we were we, we were said we want to see Benny Dariush. We want to see Yair Rodriguez versus Volkanovski. So we're, we're, we're on the same page here, man, for your birthday. It's not a coincidence. Um, yeah, this is the fight to make. Saturday's co-main event was essentially a, a number one contenders match, really good for Josh Emmett and good for Yair that a title was on the line so that the UFC can hand out extra money in their arbitrary way when they could really do that too for every number one contenders fight, every co-main event. They could really hand out more money anytime they want, but you know, under the, under their guidelines, like, Oh, only if there's a belt on the line. Well, in this case it, there was, and again, good for both guys. They got paid more and put on a good performance. I mean, Yair was far and away the better fighter, but Emmett looked good too. Emmett, Emmett hurt Yair in the first round. Emmett looked like as advertised, a guy with constantly dangerous one punch power. He just ran to the best version of Yair, Yair Rodriguez that we have ever seen. And we've seen good versions of Yair, Yair Rodriguez before, but the best version was something else was spectacular. You could, you could really, really talk yourself into if that guy shows up on fight night to fight Volkanovski and imagine if they're in Mexico city or something like that. I mean, he's going to give Volkanovski a hell of a time. I'm still picking Volkanovski all the way, but that's just because of how good I think Volkanovski is. That's not a, that's nothing to knock Yair Rodriguez at all, especially after last night. So beautiful, beautiful stuff from Yair and uh, anything but him getting the title shot next is uh, absurd. Sorry, Arnold Allen, if you beat um, Max Holloway, but Hey, he's Allen's first up on the backup list. If he managed to pull that off. Completely agree. Now, Josh Emmett, there's a vacuum going off. I apologize. We can barely Josh hear Emmett. it. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, Josh Emmett, we talked about this in the build to it, seemed to be the guy on the card, despite the high stakes in the main event and the legacy all attached to it, to have the most to lose on this entire card because it took him a very, very long time to get to a title fight. He gets it, and he lost. He had some moments in the fight. He got lit up early and off into the body. 
to his credit, still fought his ass off. But now, barring some weirdness, he probably won't get another title shot for the rest of his UFC run, especially with him being 37 years of age, especially in these lower weight classes. It just doesn't happen. And that weight cut is a rough one, AK. We saw what he looked like on Friday, but he's already pretty undersized in a lot of ways at 145 and a move up to 55 is just a pretty tall order, I think. So is he now in the high-level litmus test spot for these up-and-coming killers in this division, or does something else stand out to you? Yeah, this might have been, and I say this with not insulting him, this might have been the peak of Josh Emmett's career for now. Like you said, it took him a long time to get up there. He's 37 years young, I should say. Uh, but yeah, he's 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 up there in not normal, in you know how we normally tell time, like normal human years. He's a bit up there in fight years. I believe this is his 12th year of pro competition in addition to whatever other athletics he was involved in uh, before MMA. There's a lot of wear and tear on there. You can see it. He, he wears it on his face. He wears it on his body. You can see it. And for him to get a title fight is wonderful. You know, he can always say he fought for UFC title interim or otherwise. He can always have that. It's a long road back for him. Um, he has fought at lightweight before. But this was early days of the UFC. He did okay. Um, he's got he has some UFC wins at lightweight, and of course, before the UFC, he fought a lightweight. Uh, he could always return there for fun fights. I don't think he's a contender at 155. He has an outside shot at 145. But for now, he should focus on getting fun fights, and that's kind of where I went with with my ought no pick. Whenever this guy is ready, Josh Emmett would make for a fine retirement fight opponent for the Korean Zombie Chen Sung Jung. I love that pick. I didn't even really think about that one. Mm-hmm. The back is coming fast and furious, but uh, I just saw somebody suggest it. I pulled it up on the screen and then you said it. Love that idea. But it's the wrong idea. It's not what's going to happen. I do love the idea, though. This would be a great backup plan. So there'll be no friends forever here. I think a lot of people in the chat are going to agree with me on this one because we talked about this on the post-fight show. It's Ilya Teporia. It is Ilya Teporia. That is the fight. And the reason why is not just because it makes sense from a rankings perspective, but can you, AK, just imagine what that effing fight is going to look like? You're going to have two guys who will not be swinging technically to try to get points and win rounds. These two guys are going to try to not, like, literally knock each other's heads into the third row. They are going to be standing in front of each other like Bryson DeChambeau hitting a golf ball. They're just going to uncork everything they have into each punch until somebody falls down that fight just rules stylistically it's probably not going to go well for josh emmett at the end of the day but these guys are just going to stand there and throw punches and kicks as hard as they possibly can for as long as they possibly can it's just fun and i kind of feel for josh but these are the fights he's going to get right now they're just going to throw sledgehammers at each other so i'm going to go with that i'm going to go with it because if we don't get it now, I just don't think we're going to get it with Josh Emmett being 37 years of age and Taporia on the rise. So there you go. Let's just I'm, do it now. I'm looking at some of the comments. Uh, P- uh, Putra Ritsa Pratama saying, uh, you're going to get Emmett killed, Mike. Uh, Max Rapkin, imagine them both connecting on hooks at the same time. Uh, Rocky II style, right? Yeah, that would be fun. Uh, Brandon, the bombs being swung will be insane. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, listen, that's super, super fun. I'm very high on Taporia. He deserves a top 10 fight. Josh Emmett's right in there, top six, top seven. That's definitely the way to go. Um, yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of it. You can't go wrong. 
And yeah, and I've been saying Taporia is a future champion. He's gonna. I'd be shocked if he never at least fought for a title. And Emmett might be the path to go there. But um, I, I like the zombie fight. I like your suggestion too, Mike. Any thought to Max Holloway win, lose, or draw against Arnold Allen? Because if Max Holloway wins, he's not getting Volkanovski again. It's possible he just moves up to lightweight. I guess people would think, is, is, it, is there a time where Max Holloway just moves up to lightweight? But he doesn't seem any, in any hurry to do that. So win, lose, or draw against Arnold Allen, do you think that maybe we line up him and Emmett next? It's tough because I, I honestly think I honestly think it would it's gonna depend on how that fight plays out. Like I think if Holloway loses, I think it makes sense. If Holloway wins, I don't think it makes any sense because then he's gonna have like if then he'll probably have to fight Taporia or somebody else. You know what I mean? Because he's just gonna be the dude fending. He's gonna be, and I'm not comparing the two fighters, but it's he's going to be in the sort of Caitlin Chukagian spot for as long as Volkanovski's the champion. He's just going to keep knocking off number one contenders, or at least trying to. Uh, but I mean, Holloway TKZ could be an option if he loses too. So, and I don't like if Holloway goes out and loses to Arnold Allen, and it's not all that competitive. I just don't know how much longer Max is going to do this for. Like, he makes a lot of money fighting, but he also makes a lot of money not fighting. Like that video game stuff he does, he makes a lot of money doing that. He does very, very well outside of fighting. Uh, and he's a star outside of fighting. So Holloway, I don't know. It's just all about him and how long he wants to do it. So it's an interesting one. If they did Holloway versus Emmett, I'd watch it. But I would favor Holloway to win that fight. Um, you know, I see people throwing in Barboza, Billy Q as a possible option. Sure. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. There's, As Jed likes to say, there's really no wrong way to eat these Reese's, especially at 145. And Josh Emmett against a lot of these guys would be fun. Avloyev would be kind of a tough one. I don't know if I want to see that one, but Taporia, sure. Zombie, I like that idea, especially if it's going to be both guys' final fight of their careers. That'd be a really good story. So we'll see. 45 is a lot of fun right now. Let's move on to Jack Della Maddalena. Oh, or speaking as, of fun. As, as, as Shaheen Al-Shadi called them, Jackie three names. Jackie I just love that. Like that. That's great. That's not bad. That's not bad. This is perfect matchmaking against Randy Brown, who had been looking great. And looked great in this fight early. When this fight was taking place in space in the center of the cage, Randy Brown was flowing out there. He was feeling himself, looking good, using that range really. All the kicks were good, landing the jab, moving great. He was just flowing out there. And as we're watching it on the watch party, the second Randy Brown's back hit the fence wall, we just all knew that something really bad was about to happen to him. And that's exactly what happened because JDA, JDM closed the distance, got inside, landed one big shot, and Randy Brown went down. And it was scary, man. The way he hit head first, it was, it, it was like Pavlovich, Derek Lewis. I thought Goddard was going to step right in there and stop that fight the way he fell down. Uh, to Brown's credit, I think maybe the mat woke him up a little bit. And JDM cost a lot of people some money because not just, I mean, a lot of people bet on JDM, but a lot of people were picking JDM to win by first round KO. I don't think a lot of people at JDM winning by first round submission against Randy Brown. And he goes out there and doesn't, the crowd goes crazy. And I'm just going to get this out of the way. Cause I've been throwing this fight out for a week. This is my Otno spoiler. So a lot of people may have heard this. And if you have, I'll say it again. It's JDM versus Vicente Luque and no other fight will do it for me. Book it, do it. International fight week, July. Is this a friends forever moment? I'm here. The, the band, sorry, sorry, not because the band is starting to play. The band is tuning up. 
One, two, three, four. Friends, Friends forever. forever. Awesome. Perfect. I mean, that's the fight. That's the fight. And then he whoever that. asked, yeah, whoever asked him, I don't know if he was asked about it at the at the press conference, but yeah, that's the fight. That's the fight. I, Michelle Pereira is a good idea too because Pereira needs a new opponent, but it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like JDM wants to bounce back and like fight next month or fight in yeah, April. He wants to fight in June or July. So, I think it was our regular listener Joseph Boza who asked in the preview, preview show could could Jack Della Maddalena get a top ten opponent with a win over Randy Brown? And I said at first like, oh yeah, people saying uh, the fight would be sick. Of course it would be. Uh, and I was like, at first, I was like, oh, I don't know if he can get a top ten guy. Then I looked at the edge of the top ten, and I'm like, oh, Sean Brady's in there. He'd get that one. Of course, Vicente Luque was in there. Vicente Luque actually trending in the other direction. He's lost two straight fights. We talked about Josh Emmett having a ceiling. I think we kind of know the ceiling for Vicente Luque too, and it's fine. Vicente Luque's place in the UFC is fantastic. He's in there, and he fights in bangers, and he picks up bonuses. And I hope he fights in the UFC and gets paid a lot of money for that like as long as he wants to. So even if Luke goes in there and gets smoked by Della Maddalena, I don't care. I want to see the fight happen. ADM, man, he has that quality, almost like we saw with Drew Dober against um, Bobby Green, where like, and I think JDM's a, a step up technically from Dober, I will say. Um, he might be one of the best boxers in in the UFC. He has that, that factor that, man, it doesn't matter if you're getting outstruck as he kind of was by Randy Brown for however the opening moments of a fight that power that and in finishing instinct some people have power not finishing instinct that finishing instinct changes everything and when i say he, the difference between instinct and power watch uh della madalena's first three finishes they're not one hitter quitters he's not going on there and throwing an overhand right and, and decking people he stings he stings first and then once he sees weakness in the opponent man he starts throwing accurate combinations like he doesn't just swarm throwing wild he's in there he knows exactly where to go and just like with this fight he didn't just try and, uh, when he hurt Randy Brown, just trying to go for another highlight reel knockout. It's the submission that presented itself. So he's like, okay, um, that's what I'm going for. That's what I'm going to do. And that's an amazing gift to have. Uh, the sky is the limit for this guy. I, I, if you if you want to say he could be a UFC champion someday, I don't see how you can argue against it. If you think his he's going to be maybe the next Vicente Luque, just a top 10 guy who puts on exciting fights and never gets a title shot, I could see that too. There is some risk to the way he fights. You know, he, he he does go for the kill. And when you do that, guess what? Sometimes you're the one that gets killed. And that's fine. I'm so excited about the future of Jack Della Maddalena, whether it's title contender, whether it's UFC champion, whether it's fight of the night, record-breaking warrior. I don't care. But it be but we, we're going to get a good gauge with it, of it, Mike, if he fights Vicente Luque next. That's, that's the way it's got to go. Welterweight's getting kind of fun right Man. now. We're getting some we're getting some some guys. JDM, I think Ian Gary in like 18 months to 2 years, we're going to be looking at him potentially in a similar way. Uh, I think they're just building Ian pretty slow and I think they should do that. JDM's a little older, a little more closer to his athletic prime, uh, a little more seasoned than Ian Gary, but uh Ian Gary has a lot of the makings of being in a position where JDM is right now. Uh, I do want to throw one other matchup because this is something that I thought about, but I ultimately didn't go with it because I just don't think Wonderboy would take this fight. But JDM versus Wonderboy, I mean, stylistically, and I know JDM has some submission threats as we saw, but he's not going to sit there and shoot a bunch of doubles on Wonderboy. He's going to stand there and, and strike with him. What do you think about this one? What, what would you gauge the chances one to 10? Of it happening or of Della of it happening. beating him? Of it happening? Of it happening right now, like for well, the next fight. I'll, I'll play it safe. I'll go 
Oh, no, I'll go lower. I'll go lower. I'm going to say six. I'm going to say seven. I'll go six. So I'll go a little bit lower wow. than likely. So I'm going to say like somewhat likely. Seven, I'd say is likely. Six is like somewhat likely. And that's only because, again, uh, Wonder Boy is really smart. He might see an opportunity in um, he might see an opportunity in Jack Della Maddalena, a guy who's a good matchup for him. Because, look, for the most part, Wonder Boy wins striking battles. I mean, he he soundly beat Luke A. Uh, he beat Jeff ne- he beat Jeff Neal, right? I'm not crazy. That's the thing that happened, right? Wonder Boy, he yeah. Jeff Neal. Yeah, after, after Luke, he beat Jeff Neal. He just beat Kevin Holland. If you stand and strike with him, most often you're going to lose. Uh, Anthony Pettis was an exception, but I mean, Anthony Pettis pretty sure lost the first the first nine minutes of that fight before landing a super awesome knockout punch. It would be a real test for JDM. And, and, and Mike, that's the reason why like, maybe I don't want to see it happen. I don't know if I want to see JDM lose a close decision to, to Wonder Boy. Um, yeah, I think it's I think too that soon. might be the wrong way to go, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe... JDM is, you know, is not even at his peak yet. Maybe he's closer, close enough to his peak, and uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is far away enough from his peak that the gap is closed. And even if it's a stand-up battle, JDM could win if he if he knocked out Wonderboy or even won a, a convincing five-round decision on the feet. Man, that would it would just be another test pass because I thought Randy Brown was a huge test and he passed with flying colors. If he could convincingly beat Wonderboy striking. I mean, you're launching into the top five at that point, and then we're talking title fight sometime by the end of the year, early 2024. Like that's that's how good this guy has looked and and could potentially look. Yeah, uh, the reason I brought up and, and someone in the in the comments brought this up. The reason I brought up Michelle Pajer's name is because Sean Brady is out of the fight, um, undisclosed injury, so he will not be fighting. Um, Pereira actually put that out there himself. We confirmed it yesterday. <clears throat> um, yeah, Brady's not fighting him. Brady's gonna be out for a minute. So Pereira needs a new opponent. Not sure if he's going to fight in March or if they're going to push him to a different card. So that's why I threw him out as, as a potential option right now because he doesn't have a dance partner right now. But yeah, JDM Wonderboy is fun. It's just not, for me, it's just not a right now fight. Get him, get another win, maybe two, and then you can do a main event with Wonderboy. Go back and do a card in Australia, like a fight night card in Australia and have Jack Della Maddalena versus Wonderboy Thompson as the main event. That's money right there. That's that that just be good stuff. So Love I can't it. wait to see where this guy career this guy's career goes. And yeah, we 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 got a potential star in his hand on our hands. And you know what? JDM should only fight in Las Vegas during International Fight Week, or all of his fights should be in Australia. I don't want to see him fight anywhere else because <laughs> he just got so over so big and he's just it was it was pretty cool. Um he's a star. Unfortunately, he's a star. We did have we did have some bad news last night, AK. Um the build towards a potential mega fight rematch for the UFC heavyweight title between potentially between John Jones and Paco Porta is no more. It is no more. We are not going to get Jones Porter too, uh, because Justin Taffa said, you know what? Forget you MMA fans. We're not going to give you, I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to take this man out. I'm going to try to go after that myself. And Justin Taffa gets a win. Knocks out Parker Porter. Great performance. Looked like a star. Great post-fight interview after the fact. Uh, he had a great quote. Ah, I forget what it was. We talked about it on the post-fight show, but it was really, really good. I'm going to make this very easy, AK. And I feel like I throw this guy's name out all the time, but until he's booked and it's put out into my into the universe, I'm just going to keep throwing the name out there, and this would be fun. Justin Taffa versus Chris Barnett. Book it. I strongly thought about it. 
it would be an incredible matchup between the only two men to ever miss the heavyweight limit in UFC history. There, there's your, there you go. There's your cell right there. I, I can't remember. I think I have Barnett. I was looking back sort of my notes from previous shows. I think I had Barnett booked against someone else. Or if I didn't, I think I felt bad about just constantly throwing Barnett out there for people. I'm sure I have mentioned him as a potential opponent for someone else. He is not booked, so it's fair game. And he'll fight anyone. And it's heavyweight, so anything outside of the top like you could literally match up anyone outside the top 10 and it makes sense so i obviously i would love to see it i went a different direction a more boring direction maybe just rebook the the dantel maze fight they're supposed to fight at i think 277 last year and it fell through a top i had to withdraw but uh they're kind of where in the same area in my rankings i think you're gonna someone's getting knocked out so um so yeah i'm down with it you reach i teach that was oh, that was the line yeah thank you Thank you. Uh, someone saying I said Tafa was only heavyweight to miss weight. Yeah, I said that on the weigh-in show, and then Barnett missed. I know. I just and then I literally just corrected myself. Come on, you two, catch up, please, catch up. Listen, listen, give us a give us a break. Uh, where's Hamdi? Hamdi is serving a USADA suspension, so we won't be seeing him anytime soon. Uh, of course, the Otto rules: if you fight to a draw, we don't match make for you. Mm -hmm. But I, Jimmy Crute and Alonzo Menafield, that was a oh, fun fight, so crazy good. fight. And Mark Goddard took a point. We just don't see that very often. Uh, we always talk about how you sh all coaches should just teach your fighters how to grab the fence and cheat because nothing will ever get called. And we had about 35 potential point losses up until that point, and not a single point was taken away. And then Mark Goddard takes the point away. Um, good for him. But I, I, I do want to give these guys credit because it was a great fight. It was a great way to start the main card. Both guys want to run it back. Do you, wanna run, do you just want to see these guys just, just chuck them again? I actually, my my immediate reaction was like, I don't know if I'd need to see it run back. Um, it, it was a draw by the like strictest definition of a draw for sure. So like, by that by that, if you're if you're of the uh, who's our guy who's always, uh, we have a guy Mike, a regular listener who's always saying run back all draws. Oh my gosh, I need to find this person's name. Um, but I'm not I'm not super excited about necessarily seeing this one run back. You could. We saw Menafield striking. He certainly had Crute uh, in danger multiple times in the first two rounds. We saw Crute's toughness. We saw him use his grappling to uh, salvage this draw. So I don't know. So I'm, I'm, I I can't really complain if they do decide to run it back. But also, I think both guys have shown enough that I'm fine with them pursuing fresh matchups. Um, I just don't. I I don't know. Am I am I am I am I crazy about this? Am I crazy that I don't need to see a resolution? Like. I'm not dissatisfied by draws. Maybe that's the other thing is uh, it's a shame. Both guys, for one thing, should get their win bonus because uh, they both put in a hell of an effort. It would have been fight of the night if not for the spectacular main event. Uh, it was really, really exciting. Um, almost a heavyweighty, light heavyweight fight. So I'm not sure if, uh, if that hurts, helps or hurts the appeal. For me, that helps. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily need to see a runner back. I don't know who's next for both guys. I really want to see Alonzo Menafield fight Khalil Roundtree. But... Um, after a draw, it kind of muddies things up. And, and like I said, we aren't really doing an official pick here. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice 
the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. So let's go to the wild card round. We will select one fighter we have not match made for yet. It will go ahead and match make right now. As you can hear, the hotel lobby is fired up for the wild card round. So I think I have a great pick. I think I have a really good pick. I'm very happy with it. I looked at myself in the mirror after I made this decision and I smirked a little bit. I think I have a banger on, on our hands, but I'll start with you, AK. What's the wild card coming out of UFC 284? I had to go with Loma Lukbun, me, man. I mean, listen, she got robbed of a bonus. If, and if people are asking, you know, anytime I say someone got robbed or snubbed, I, I, let's say you're talking about like all-star teams in like baseball or NBA, whatever. I, I say, if you say someone got snubbed, then you have to say who you wouldn't have given an award to. I would have gone with Loma over uh, Jack Della Maddalena. Jack Della Maddalena's finish was great. Uh, but if I had to choose a bonus, I would have given it to Loma for becoming D1 Loma Lukwumi first with a great slam on Elise Reed. And then and then uh, uh, ADCC Loma with an amazing rear naked choke. I mean, this was incredible. And she's already, again, I think pound for pound, one of the best strikers in the entire UFC. She's an incredible Muay Thai fighter. Uh, so we got to see a bit of the striking for sure. And then just not shying away from the grappling at all. Standing back take, drag Elise Reed down, go for the submission. So good. Uh, she should have gotten a bonus. Really, everyone who got a finish should have gotten a bonus. And every fighter who gets finishes in the UFC should get bonuses. And it should be 100K, not 50K. And they should pay fighters more and blah, blah. You guys know where I'm going with this. Who should Loma fight next? I'm not ready to push her into the top 15 even. But I, I do think she's ready to have a name. And that name is a woman who once fought for the UFC strawweight title, someone who's also a very accomplished Muay Thai fighter, and someone who I think Loma Lukbumi can beat. I'm going with an alliterative matchup, Loma Lukbumi versus Karolina Kovakovich. Ooh. Ooh, that's fun. Mm. That's fun. I like that one. Good, good choice. I have to go with the man who needs a new nickname, Jack the Leg Snapper Jenkins. <laughs> This guy is just, I mean, just seeing the statistics, I think five, he's broken five legs in fights and three out of his last five opponents, he's broken their legs in a fight. That's nuts, dude. That is just nuts. Uh, I thought that fight with Don Shanus was exactly what I thought it was going to be because Shanus is just a dog and maybe too tough for his own good. And it was a great fight. So Jack Jenkins looked great. He's just going to be one of those guys that's just super fun fight territory. This might be a little, a little tough, but I want to see it. And I feel like if we don't do it now, we're going to be waiting like three or four years and we're playing a risky game. And I feel like with where these two guys are at in their careers, a loss won't really hurt either of them, but I just got to see it. I just got to see it. A battle of two up and coming featherweight fun fighters that people are just going to want to watch. Jack Jenkins versus Francis Marshall, AK. Let's do it. Let's I, do it. I had trouble ranking, updating my rankings. And I think I had to, and one of them was, do I rank him above Francis Marshall? So you our, our heads, it's not a friends forever moment, Mike, but our heads are absolutely in the right place. I have, and I put Jenkins ahead of him. 
I put Jenkins ahead literally one spot. I have uh, <laughs> it's super low. It's going to say that it's super low, but again, there's uh, by my count about 75 active straw weights in the, in the OCR right now. And that's only including people who have fought. So people who they just signed is probably close to like 80, 85. Uh, I have Jack Jenkins at 64, Francis Marshall at 65. So well done, sir. Well done. That That is that is the way to go. They're right they're right next to each other. I say put it down. Um, I like it. And, and, but I would say to Francis Marshall, I just don't fight Jack Jenkins because based on history, it's it's not – winner. like even if win or lose, you might get your leg broken. And that sucks. So <laughs> I don't think yeah. – Sorry, Jack Jenkins. I'm I'm warning everyone not to fight you because that is a hell of a, a thing attached to your name uh, going into any matchup that you you your your opponents end up with broken legs. So good luck finding guys to sign up for that. Yeah, do do some squats. Uh, have somebody take a tree trunk and just smash your smash your legs over and over again. Build those babies up so you can prepare yourself uh, for the worst possible case scenario. But that was a great fight. Jenkins and Shanus brought it. Good stuff. Um, saw some other names like Josh Kulabau. Great win for him. Uh, Modestus Bacacus. Bacacus, what a story. Oh, what a Coming story. back, beating Tessa Pedro. Great win for him. Uh, called up Paul Craig for UFC London. Love, love the gusto. Absolutely. So this is what we're going to do. Oh, Francis is booked? He is? Let's, let, let's look at oh, this. Cancel it. Cancel it. <laughs> William Gomez. Let's see. Let's That's, see right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I'm not calling it a doo-doo pick because they should just. Oh, we might have to. No, Mike, you might have to take this one, dude. It's April 22nd. No, it's your birthday. Okay, you know what? It's your birthday. No, cancel it. Cancel, cancel it. Flight. I don't think we can. Well, I don't think we can do that. <laughs> we can't I mean, gonna, if if we're gonna cancel Benil Darius versus Charles Oliveira, we can That's cancel Francis Marshall official. versus William Gomez. That's not even close to official. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> But it's your oh, birthday. Come on. I'm, I'm giving you a birthday exemption. I'm giving you a birthday. Exemption. That's what I'm. Giving I forgot. You. I forgot that fight was booked. So did I. I mean, I damn I, it. I, mean, I share. I share in this doo doo with you, sir, because I also did not call you on it right away. So, yeah, it's 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 our birthday. Thank you, the real yeah. Mike Heck. All right, I'm getting doo dooed left and right, but right. still, it happens. This happens. This business. Listen, it's like MMA. Everybody Francis Marshall. Like, all right, Francis Marshall, win or lose against William Gomez. There it is. Jack Jenkins. There it is. Good night, land, everybody. Land quite as much as it did originally, but okay. This is what we're gonna do for the next nine and a half. Oh, to 10 oh wait, minutes. Mike, wait, wait, Mike. Oh. We didn't talk about. I know he missed weight. We didn't talk about Clayton Rodriguez's butt knockout. Oh my god, man! But really that quickly, listen. You miss weight. Obviously, I'm the weigh-in guy. I love weigh-ins. It is a personal insult to me if you miss weight. And frankly, Mike, we don't know that that extra one pound might have made the difference in the in the spinning butt strike that he hit uh, that he hit for uh, hit for Shannon Ross with. It's possible. It's, it's possible very possible. If if Clayton Rodriguez had made weight, that 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 Shannon Ross gets out of that danger, but that one extra pound on that badonka donk <laughs> might have made the difference. Might have might have totally rocked Shannon Ross, send him past the point and no return. And so uh, I'm glad. Uh, listen, Clayton, make weight. That that uh, spinning butt strike was dope. But uh, I want to see you land that. You know, actually on on point on the scale please because we don't know now, that that win is has a little bit of a Evan a little bit of an asterisk next to it Mike always listen always cheat. a little bit of an asterisk next to it Mike. always cheat and if it, I mean look he, he what what did he lose 20 percent or 25 percent 20 percent then he got his win bonus it all worked out for him anyway so yeah make make the weight but 
until there's actual penalties for weight misses, like we're just going to keep seeing this kind of thing. So there you go. But that was, I mean, <laughs> the comments are funny. I'm just, I mean, look, I'll, I'll take, I'll take the doo-doo loss in stride. So there we go. All right. So for the next like nine ish minutes, maybe 10, uh, here we go. Wild card round, fire them off. Let's go. Picks across the board. Let's go. Oh, let me tell let's people. Start. Let me tell let's people. Let's start send this. In. Let me pin this. Let I've seen a lot of this. Uh, I don't see why you can't just run this one back. Benny and Charles, number one contender fight. Uh, hold on a second. Where did it go? Okay, there we go. I don't see why you can't run this one back. Benny and Charles, number one contender fight. Run this one again. Both fights will finish around the same time and be perfect for both winners. I don't, I don't hate this idea, but I don't love this idea. I do feel like these guys are going to fight again. And the reason why, and it's not just going to be like a random thing. It's going to be, it's going to happen at the time that the Jed Mishus and people who thought like Jed Mishu of the world, those kinds of people and fans, like it's going to come at that kind of a time where Volk's just going to win four or five more title defenses at 45. Makachev's going to win four or five title defenses at 155. Both guys are getting to the point of their careers where we're getting to the final stretch, but are still very high level. And then Makachev will initiate it and just be like, look, there's nothing more I can do at 55 before I call it a career and cap off father's plan, so to speak. And my old coach and doing it for his legacy as a coach and where I've come, I have to beat Volkanovsky convincingly. I can't have any doubts. I can't have people saying it was a robbery. I can't have people saying that this fight was even competitive. I have to fight this man one more time to show what I'm made of. Otherwise, I just don't know if we're going to see it again. But I would like to believe that something like that will happen and we will get to see these dudes fight again. But not not now, like two years from now. Yeah, it's it's, it's an amazing fight. If you want to run it back, you must know I'm not going to complain. The fight is so good. I mean, just, just, just from ignoring all external factors the fight was so good but how, like it, same same with like you know moreno and figgy imagine that they want to run that one back a fifth time i'm like yeah we're gonna do it run that one back a fifth time sixth time seventh time just from a you know uh objective aesthetic standpoint yeah i want to see these guys fight forever but it's there's so many factors to consider outside of just the matchup right uh, john ray has a good comment here the featherweight division has waited long enough yeah listen this fight already uh, sort of held up two divisions. You know, they kind of fixed that by just saying, well, let's put an interim title on the line for Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett. But this easily could have uh, this easily could have been Volkanovski versus Yair headlining uh, Australia show and Makachev, uh, maybe not on this card, but fights, you know, uh, defenses the lightweight title against one of the big names of lightweight in the first in the first quarter of 2023. That is, that's easily how this could have gone instead. Um, and, the, and then the divisions would have just chugged along. So now you want to, if you want to do an immediate rematch, you're putting two of the deepest divisions on hold again. Then you probably, does Yair defend the interim title? Does, do we introduce an interim lightweight title now? Because, like, I don't know. It's just, it's just so bizarre. Like just for someone else to fight for because we keep put, keeping the champions, both champions busy. So it's, it, it's just, it's just too strange to me. I'd love to see them fight again somewhere down the road. If it doesn't happen, I won't be heartbroken. We got to see it once. We are blessed in that regard. Um, but both men have such compelling fights in their own divisions that uh, let's just let's move along, please. All right. Tristan, Loma versus Corey McKenna, JDM versus Jeremiah Wells. Don't love that one. I think JDM has earned a ranked guy for sure. Yep. Josh Kulaba versus Lucas Almeida. Yeah, I like that fight. Sure. Yeah, Lucas Almeida needs a new opponent. He was supposed to fight uh, Andre Feely. Andre Feely, unfortunately, some sort of, uh, I think, eye injury or something. He had some some sort of surgery recently. So we don't know when he'll be back. Uh, Lumbukbunmi and McKenna. 
I think Luke Boonby would destroy Corey McKenna, but you do have a bit of a grappler. McKenna looks really good. McKenna looks pretty good yeah, in the last fight. Definitely some grappler striker striker aspect there, and of course by grappler, I mean uh, local Loma Luke Boonby after last night. Yes, D one Loma cost people Loma. money again. <laughs> the slam was that uh, was ridiculous. I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, Prado versus Jubilee. That's fun. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, the the, uh, the versus- King of Lions and Shul Jubilee. Yes, Rodriguez versus Durden. Sure. Yeah, I'm down. Uh, Rodriguez versus Sumaderji. Is Sumaderji booked? I don't know. I'm not. I'm, I'm not will, in any I position will. to be handing out Jubilee. <laughs> I will do, so I will do research. I will do live research. Uh, I don't believe he is not. No, Sumaderji is not booked. Zubaira versus the scale since he can't make way to 45 for Jeff. Yeah, I, I feel like. Him, eh? I feel yeah. Will there be a robbery review for that fight? Because people were calling for it. There won't be. Uh, maybe just because the low wattage of the fight. Maybe because I'm mad that Zubair missed weight at 155, a weight class that he above what he normally competes at. So brutal. And to up, upon further thought and some review, uh, the only real robbery is the 3027 card. Um, I feel pretty confident about 2028 Zukagov. There's certainly an argument for Brenner. Some of those rounds were definitely closer than people I think want to give Brenner credit for. But the 3027 is absurd. That's so if you're card. just measuring that card, there is no way you can give all three rounds to Elvis Brenner. There's just no way. You you, you just uh, this was uh, Judge Evan Field who did that score. Um, he's has some history at the UFC. It's not like he hasn't done cards before. He's he's been employed somewhat frequently over the last few years. I don't know. Maybe Evan just had an off night. I don't want to call him out for his credibility or anything. I don't know. know I don't know enough about the man or his record in depth. But that is one of the already a front runner for the worst scorecard of the year. I don't know how you gave three rounds to Elvis Brenner. I watched that fight at like five thirty this morning, and just because I wanted to see, because I didn't watch a second of it, and I wanted to see what all the the hubbub is about. Yeah, thirty twenty seven was awful. That's a horrible scorecard. But I I also came out of it thinking like this wasn't great, but I've seen way worse decisions in this one that just the 3027 just makes it so much worse it puts it over the top um but i don't know I, I just don't know if zubaira is long for this ufc world anymore i mean this guy's had eight thousand chances at this point I, I just don't know what else what else he could do really uh that was kind of a must win and must dominate spot for him against a newcomer and he didn't do it loma versus angel hill too uh, that's um, exactly the kind of fight I was trying to avoid. I, I maybe somewhere down the road. I still think Loma has has some work to do. Um, again, I've, I've been joking about how great she looked, and she did. And 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 again, I actually think she, could, with the right matchmaking, she could be a contender, like a, a top five strawweight. But it has to be the right matchmaking. I think, like as we saw her lose to Lupi, you know, Lupi Godinez, right? So there's still some grappling holes that need to be uh, shored up. Angela Hill again just had a little bit more experience. Great, you know, great stand-up matchup for sure, but just a bit more experience, not and 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 a you know more ability to mix the martial arts. But I I love what I'm seeing from Loma, and I think that could happen, just not, not next. Um, do you, we're never going to know the answer to this question, but yeah. do you think this pay-per-view does better than the Cyril Gone John Jones card? Uh, no, no, I don't John think Jones, so either. The, John Jones is such a big name; it's heavyweight. We talked about how poorly promoted this event was. Um, I'm sure it'll still do a fine number. We know it did a fantastic gate, but I think that Jones and gone will take the next level. And if anything, because that fight was advertised well in advance, so congrats to the UFC on that. There's people who maybe, uh, financially speaking, make a choice 
you know, however many, however many UFC pay-per-views you're going to buy a year, especially if you go quarter by quarter. So if you were picking between 284 and 285, you probably went 285. So uh, I think just by taking that into account as well, 285 will will fare better. Malarkey versus Patty Pimblett. I like right. the call out. This, right? I like the call out. GC didn't love the the verbiage behind the call out um, because Jamie won a decision. He's like, "I'll go knock this guy out," and GC <laughs> yeah, yeah. was like, um, "He just wrestled his way to don't a, be calling a very it, good decision. Don't be calling for knockouts if you didn't win by knockout." I didn't necessarily like. I didn't fully agree with that, but I thought the call out was good, and I think with where both guys are at right now, I think this fight makes a lot of sense. Okay. I think a ton of fights make sense for Pat. I, I, I listen. I, I've been out there with friggin' Tony Ferguson versus Patty, so you don't need to convince me that a Patty fight makes sense. I mean, I, you could talk me into almost anything outside of throwing him in there with, you know, uh, who was the last guy? Who was the last guy who called out? And I was like, I was like, Patty Pimblett, dude. Oh, uh, Tiago Moises. Like guys like Tiago Moises, guys who just like have that that really dangerous mix of experience, uh, who are better grapplers than him. Because I mean, he's a good gra- he's a, he, grappling is his strength, so he does not want to go in there with someone who's a better grappler than him. Uh, so he wants to have at least have that advantage in any matchup he gets into. Um, and again, guys who know how to really, really finish fights. And I, I would count Moises among there as well. So guys like that I would avoid. Malarkey makes more sense. I'm, I'm with New York Rick, though. If the timing is a bit weird. And I don't blame Malarkey for his strategy. Prado's really dangerous on the feet. He's kind of a wild card. He's a 20-year-old guy. He doesn't have that grown man strength yet. So your best bet was to, yeah, go mix the martial arts. Can't believe I'm saying this. Mix the martial arts, go to your wrestling, and neutralize him, and that's what happened. Malarkey gets a win. He gets um, gets another uh, gets his his win bonus, and, and he moves on. He moves on to, but not I think to a fight with Patty. Even though the callout does make sense ranking wise, where they are, I think a skill level. I think they're they're right around the same area as well. I don't know if that's the fight that's going to happen. It was a, it was a very good callout, but it was a very good callout. Is the right name for him? I just don't think he necessarily gets that one. Since Twitter is apparently expanding its character base to 4,000 or so, the hashtag for Bukaskis versus Nega Mariano would be, would be a little <laughs> more fitting. So I think the timing for this is perfect. I like that. This is another one I struggled with, whether to put uh, Bukaskis above Nega Mariano because Metafield I have ranked higher than Nega Mariano. And so now, now we're delving into MMA math. And I think I settled on uh, – I did end up putting Bukaskis above. Okay. Oh no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I actually have Nogan Mariano, even though he lost his last fight pretty high. So, but yeah, I like it. Good matchup. Yeah, we had a Linz versus Pekoskis, uh Jenkins versus Duho Choi, JDM versus Nico Price. He's a, he's above Nico Price. Is Linz not? What happened to the Linz OSP fight? Did that not get rebooked? Am I crazy? Or did it get rebooked and then get canceled again? Oh, yeah. That that fight just kept changing like every day. <laughs> OSP had like seventy one different opponents. I know one of them is fighting. It did get rebooked. Okay, it is happening next week. So I'm sorry, he cannot fight. Oh, I mean. Go. Maybe OSP wins and then and then fights him, but uh, that is happening. Alex, uh, Emmett won't fight for November this year, so my pick is Josh Emmett versus Nathaniel Wood. Maybe. What's Nathaniel Wood up to? I think he also had. He's supposed to fight Lerone Murphy, but now that's mm, not happening. Yes. Not had happening he beat Lerone Murphy, that would have been a very sensical match. Yes, it's not happening because of an injury to Nathaniel Wood, so I don't know. And depending on how long Josh Emmett wants to wait, but pretty nasty cut for. Uh, Nathaniel Wood, you guys can find, I think we put that on the website. Uh, he posted on Instagram a lovely a picture of the gash in his legs. So you can watch, you can look at that while having lunch today. Mike, I can't watch the screen. You have a Boston hat, Yankees Day. I agree. You back your screen off. Yeah. I've been walking around New York Listen. with this hat on, and I've been very, pe- people have commented. They'd be like, oh, you really think you should be wearing that hat? I'm like, I'm a respectful 
Boston fan. I'm gr- I'm 40 now. I'm wise beyond my years. I'm wise beyond my years. Go ahead. I used to love watching those Yankee teams in the 90s. Like I hated that they won all the time, but as a like baseball fan, it I mean this it was textbook baseball. It's text textbook. It was the GSP of baseball. Wow. You know, you're, not gonna be guy, welcome, you're not going to be welcome in Massachusetts or New York after that take. Oh my goodness. Textbook baseball. Leadoff guy gets on base. You bunt him to second. Drive him in the third, and then they score. I mean, just beautiful baseball. Those Yankee teams are ridiculous. What else we got here? Bukaskis versus OSP was an option. Bukaskis getting a lot of uh, getting a lot of love. Good, he deserves it. Jack Jenkins versus Sean Woodson. Yeah, I'm okay with that. There'll be a lot of leg kicks in that fight. <laughs> Someone's legs ain't broken. That's uh, about Jen Spulver. About freaking time. That was awesome. I was so I, I I got to do the write up for that. So people, if you want. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, if you want the Cliff's notes, I probably didn't even do him justice. But if you want the Cliff's notes of why Jens Bolivar is so important to the sport, you can check out MFA.com. I wrote up the uh, induction announcement. But the lighter weight classes, he is, listen, he's going into the pioneer wing for good reason. Because that is, he is the definition of a pioneer when it comes to fighting at lightweight, fighting at featherweight. Uh, there, Remember, there wasn't a lightweight division for the longest time, guys. He is the inaugural UFC lightweight champion. He had great fights with Carl Uno, great fights with BJ Penn, the the Ultimate Fighter Season 5, arguably the best season of the Ultimate Fighter ever. Him and Penn on other teams. Nate Diaz came out of there. Gray Maynard came out of there. Really just strong cast overall. So his And, and then, again, his feud with, uh, with Uriah Faber in the WC for the featherweight title, as uh, Dave Meltzer reminded me on Twitter, that was the first fight that versus really, really pushed uh, the WC product, saying, "Hey, you got to tune in because there's here's this former UFC champion facing a guy who, you know, if outside of California, people not might not know about him, but the hardcores know, and we really believe in Uriah Faber as a star." Sure enough, again, that two fight feud really helped to elevate Faber, um, elevate the featherweight division, and and there's a direct through line from that feud to. The, the featherweight division and the bantamweights and the flyweights being in the UFC today. So you really can't give Jens Pulver enough credit. Just a great, great, great fighter. And uh, watch the video of him reacting to it. He was just absolutely in tears. It's beautiful stuff. Oh, so cool. Such a cool moment. Uh, JDM versus the Leech. The Leech is booked. Fight Michael Chiesa. Yes, and, and JDM wanted this before he got the Randy Brown fight. I think he said he said he said he was fighting Legion. Do you remember that? He said in an interview, yeah. he was like I think we're in the works to fight. It, it was never official. It was nothing was signed. I think he just his management was probably angling for that fight. So he was saying in an interview or two that like I am fighting Legion Liang next. But he got Randy Brown instead, which I would argue is maybe an even better win. Um, let me break out one a few for my for my Twitter here while we uh Annie Gulapali, I think a regular on, on Heck of a Morning, Mike. I might be mistaken. Yes. Uh, what do you think of JDM versus Neil Magny? No. No? Not ranked high enough? Or t- or do you don't like the style matchup? Both. <laughs> okay. Both? All, right. All right. Both. I mean, he's above I mean, he's just he should be JDM should be fighting a tough, like a legit top 15 guy that's coming off of either coming off of a win or is like number 12 coming off of a loss. Uh, Magni is not the fight I want to say. Uh, Magni, what? Because he, he's gotten finished in the first round in his last two fights. So uh, I think JDM is above him right now. Or no, two out of two out of three because Magni beat D Rod in between. But um, JDM D Rod's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I if they booked it, I'd watch it. It'd be an interesting test for him. But yeah, I like the Luke fight better. Very D Rod, very tough fight. If you if you're Daniel Rodriguez, you should be trying. I think you should be trying to angle for that fight. As dangerous as Jack Della Madalena is, if you manage to get that win, you D Rod's uh, booked. 
He's booked. Who's he fighting? I know he's booked. Uh, who is he fighting? He is fighting on the London card against Gunnar Nelson. Gunnar Nelson. That's oh, I like that matchup. Okay, okay. Actually, I'm, 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 I feel bad. I didn't remember that. Yes, that's uh, that's a good matchup. I like that for both guys. So may, maybe the winner of that fights. Well, nah, I don't like the winner of that one. I think they go in a different direction. I don't think you go. Uh, I don't think you go JDM for them. Uh, Kulabao versus Builder. Um, there are a couple more. Onama. I've got Liam Perry chiming in. Tyson Pedro versus Kennedy. Kennedy and Zachukwe. And Zachukwe. Eh, not bad. Not bad. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think he meant Tafon. Oh, Tafon and Tafon uh, and Chukwe. Um, okay. Is he still on the UFC? He is, right? Yeah, he should be. He should be. Right? He. This is That's not a bad one. That's not a bad one. Okay. I'm just I'm just pulling some randoms from my from my socials here. Michelle Pereira versus Phil Rowe, UFC San Antonio. That's I don't know if that's booked, but I mean, if would be it, Phil Rowe would be a good little replacement. But I don't know if Pereira takes that fight. Does literally nothing for him. Well, I am seeing a lot of Taffa versus Chris Barnett. Oh, maybe, maybe I should have gone with it. I guess it was that obvious. Justin Taffa versus Derek Lewis, I just saw. Oh. Jack Jenkins versus Pat Sabatini. Maggie's still 13th in the UFC's rankings. We, we don't hold the UFC rankings into account because they don't matter. Oh, guys, come on. MA fighting global rankings. All the one matter. Come on. Uh, Taffa, do you what do you think of Taffa versus Derek Lewis, or Taffa versus what is is Taffa the Walt Harris pick officially? When Walt's because apparently Walt's ready to come back. Is he? I guess so. He's he's training on a comeback at least from an interview that I that I recently watched. Well, it was a couple months ago, but it seems like he wants to come back like maybe this summer. That's is the right is that the one? That's the is right that the range one? for sure. I don't know if I like this one from Max Rabkin. Taffa versus my boy Arlovsky. Oh man. You know our loss is going to make that ugly. I don't know if people are assuming Tafa would just knock him out in the first round. Again, any 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 heavyweight fight that Arlovsky's in, that's always possible. But more often than not, I'd say three out of four times. One out of four times, he gets viciously knocked out. The other three out of four times, man, he is dragging people into some mud fights. And I don't know if I don't know if Justin Tafa wants wants to deal with that. Um, it, it's that's that's a very that, Arlovsky is still a tough matchup for anyone. But I, I understand the. Uh, <laughs> oh, there you go. Mask and saying, no. Arlovsky is going to style his way to Splitty City. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Do you want that? <laughs> I love how people were saying earlier that, uh, like, when I when I was like, Do Josh Emmett Versilia Taporia, that we wanted, like, Josh Emmett to, like, get killed or something. P- Clifford Johnson. I mean, Justin Top is coming off just a career defining moment. And you want to chuck him in there with Jailton Almeida? Come on. Minus 1,600 Almeida. Higher. And, and that, might higher. that might be low. <laughs> that might yeah. be low. He, he's, he's where Romanoff was when he fought Chase Sherman. And <laughs> that fight happens. And there's no disrespect to Justin Tava. This is just this is all respect to Jails and Almeida. Yeah. There's very yeah. few. There's like three people at heavyweight that I think are giving Almeida a challenge right now, I'll be honest. Pedro Kutalaba is kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. If you want to, if you want a completely, that, that's a complete, that's either going to be a super exciting fight or the worst fight you've ever seen in your life. That's just completely unpredictable. I, last, I want Arlovsky to fight till he's 50 since they took a Linux from us. That's a great comment sure. right there. Sure. That's a great comment. All right. I think we're done. I don't know. I like, I literally have about 30 vote, 30 words left before I just have no more voice. Okay. So uh, I'm going to produce this show for the podcast network. Uh, get it ready for the website, get it launched for your audio listening needs. 
and then I'm going to go get some lunch and I'm going to go to the airport and watch the first quarter of the Super Bowl there. And then I'm going to watch the rest of the game on an airplane. So uh, you guys are the best. What a card this was. What a week it was. I want to give a shout out to Jose Young's because this dude went to the other side of the world and just absolutely crushed it uh, with his coverage out there. Dude's just the man. Uh, So well done. Oh, real quick, okay, because people were bringing it up earlier, and I and I want I, w- I made it a point to want to mention this, and I didn't. Uh, Aaron Blanchfield no longer fighting Tyler Santos. Uh-huh. I'm not really surprised because uh, we had heard that potentially Tyler Santos, some, some members of her team were going to have some visa issues. Turns out that's the case, and now Aaron Blanchfield is fighting Jessica Andrade next Saturday Man. in the Apex. Your thoughts? on this new main event she is fearless that aaron blanchfield i'll tell you i mean not not that she was going to say no to i think any replacement but boy if there was ever a time for a young fighter to go like hey maybe maybe i don't take this fight yet jessica andrage would be it uh i i actually i know a lot of people like this matchup more i don't blame them i mean and you you put jessica andrage in any matchup instead of a fight whatever fighter she's replacing you've probably made that matchup better because jessica andrage rules and she's super exciting um but I also like was more eager to see either Tyler Santos rematch Shevchenko. That's a rematch that I feel like if we never get it, something will be lost there. And or if Aaron Blanchfield is able to beat her, man, you to see Aaron Blanchfield rocket into a title shot at age what is she now 24, 25? Like that's friggin' crazy. So uh, I think either way, she still gets a title shot if she beats Jessica Andrade. I don't know if Jessica Andrade gets a title shot if she beats her, which sucks because that's also another rematch I'd like to see. Uh, Shevchenko and, and Jessica Andrade, but that was a lot more lopsided than the Santos fight, so I'm somewhat less interested in it, but would still watch. Uh, I just think it's it's less likely she's guaranteed a title fight. And also, I, I mean, just talking about this matchup itself with her and Blanchfield, there's a huge difference between uh, uh, Santos and Andrade. I know that's stating the obvious. Santos is a good fighter, but uh, you know someone who's probably going to go to decision. Jessica Andrade is going to smash your face in. Win or lose, she's going to smash her face. And ask Rose Namajunas about the second fight that that Rose won a decision. Uh, she, I don't think she was the same after. I think she saw Jesus multiple times during that fight uh, because Jessica Andrade is so scary. So um, I'm not crazy about this new matchup, but hey, listen, if they wanted to save that main event, you could certainly do a lot worse. And Lord knows I'll be tuning in. And the tension is going to be super, super high for as long as that fight lasts. So good job. Good job for the matchmakers. Good job for Andrade for stepping up and good job for him. Blanchfield for saying, bring it on. Yeah. Bring it on. That's I'm going to be the champ. Bring it on. That's, that's the parting shot here. That's the important yeah. thing. Cause yeah. I like when this thing was announced, it was like literally when I walked into the studio and I was like, what, what the hell is going on here? Uh, Jessica Drogers deserves a lot of credit for stepping in on like this hundred percent. Uh, but so does Aaron Blanchfield because Aaron Blanchfield could have just said, nah, I'll wait for Tyler to like get the visa thing straightened out and we could do it in March or we could do it in April or whatever. We could do it on a pay-per-view and they're like, nah, she can't make it. You want to fight Jessica Andrade instead? And she's like, all right, cool. That's, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> that's just, that is just ridiculous. They so good blooded. on both ladies. It's yeah. Good on both ladies. It's not uh, a lie, man. Yeah. And I didn't, like if Aaron Blanchfield beat Tyler Santos, I still wasn't really convinced that she would get a title shot. I think she'd be like one more win away. Uh, if she beats Jessica Andrade, she's getting a title shot. Oh, you have to. She's getting a title shot, one hundred percent. Whether she's ready or not, you just have to do it. Yeah, like she two weeks two weeks after the fight, they're gonna chuck her in there with Valentina Shevchenko <laughs> and just do it. So, all right, we are done. Thank you very much. Real quick, AK, do you have a Super Bowl pick? 
Chiefs or Eagles? Uh, Who you got? I've watched zero American football this year. Uh, I've watched a lot of association football, uh, Scottish Premier League, Go Celtic. Uh, but I'll say, I'll say, oh, Chiefs. I'll go, I'll go with Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes. That's what I know. He's a good player, and uh, I believe in dynasties, and I believe he's he's part of one. So there we go. Uh, happy birthday, Mike. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, the big four zero. Appreciate you all very much. So uh, for AKI and Mike Eck, we'll be back next week. Usual format. And always remember, everybody, don't take this stuff too seriously. MMA is supposed to be fun. We'll have fun next week reacting to the fallout of UFC Vegas 69 from a matchmaking perspective right here on On to the Next One, the podcast. Have a good rest of the weekend. Enjoy the final round of the Waste Management Open. Enjoy your sports. Enjoy the Super Bowl, everybody. listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.